welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Scott. Hi, James. How are you this week? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, really good. Be able to go surf again this weekend. So yeah, it was awesome. That's and awesome. It- with the red tide, there is bioluminescence, um, which my son Lucas had just found out about. So you know, you go see almost a like a laser light show at night down at yeah. the yeah. Were you surfing at night, or you guys just went and viewed it at night? We just went and viewed it, but it was yeah. really cool to see with him. So it was a lot. It of fun. is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, we've talked about this in the past few episodes, yep. but I think it's an important topic. We just came off on the fastest bear markets we've ever had, the fastest bear market we've ever had. And I think it's just helpful to lay out a framework of what are some steps that we can take when markets drop, just to make sure, you know, there, the chaos happens. We want to make sure we're covering our bases. Are we doing the right things? So that would yeah. go through a framework of that. Yeah. And the, the other thing you and I were just talking about is it kind of, we're, we're through the, the shock phase of this um, of coronavirus is kind of behind us. And so mm-hmm. we're all, if you hadn't been able to yet, what an amazing time to take, walk through these steps to see if there's anything you can do to help yourself um, put yourself in a better position. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. So we're gonna go through five steps, five steps to take when the markets drop. And the first one, which we talked about in depth in our last episode is just, is number one, keep your portfolio rebalanced. Yep. Pretty yep. straightforward. So want more, listen to episode 45, but essentially keeping your portfolio rebalanced means that whatever mix of investments you had going into the downturn, starting in February, your, your mix of investments probably looks a little bit different now, whether that's yeah. the relationships of how much stocks you have to how much you have in bonds or how much you have in U.S. stocks or how much you have in international stocks. Uh, it's always good to go back and see, do you need to make a rebalance to bring your portfolio back into alignment? Yeah. And, and, and to me, the big takeaways there are one, did you have a plan in place to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you didn't already have a, 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 an allocation between stocks and bonds and, and within the stock market between international and emerging markets in the US, um, this is a wonderful time for you to take a step back and, and create one for yourself. Um, and if you need help with that, there's obviously advisors you can reach out to through like NAPFA or the XY Planning Network, places like that um, to go find uh, an advisor to help you with that, but know what you want to do uh, before you, you otherwise, because if you don't, you won't know how to rebalance, right? <laughs> you're kind of, you're kind of just adrift and we don't, we don't want you mm-hmm. to be there. Well, and you bring up a, a great point because so often when things like this happen, we get paralyzed with fear almost. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to make a change in the midst of a downturn. I don't want to make any adjustments yeah. in the midst. And no, just because things have fallen doesn't mean you don't want to come back to kind of step one, the foundational stage of saying, what is the right mix for you so that you can make sure your portfolio is aligned the right way coming out of this? Yeah. And for some people that may have changed, you know, um, uh, another advisor friend of mine gave the example of, of a small business owner who owned restaurants. Well, 
they may be going out of business. Their life may be completely rocked. So the way that they might want to be treating a portfolio right now may not be a target allocation that they were looking at, you know, three or four months ago. They may need that cash now just to live life. Life may have been altered in a big, big way, or you may just be, things are still going as you wish, but what a wonderful time to go take a look and stay on course with the plan that you have. Yeah. Um, but coming back to the concept of looking at where you are today, what are the best steps that you can take from this moment forward to get where you want to go? Really helpful. And especially if you already have a plan in place, because that actually ties into number two, um, which is resist the urge to make drastic changes or panic cells, kind of how we had it listed here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's important because we're, we're inclined to say, look at what's going on. Look at the number of cases of coronavirus. Look what's happening to the economy. Look where unemployment is now. Mm -hmm. And we know that at least for the, the temporary future, that's just going to continue increasing. So we ask ourselves, why on earth would I remain invested when I know unemployment is going to keep going up, when I know that GDP is going to continue going down, when I know that coronavirus, coronavirus cases are going to continue to climb? It seems very counterintuitive to say, why would I not sell at this point? Why wouldn't I sell what I have and protect and wait for things to get better is mm. the, the logic we see most commonly. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it, there's a, when we go look back on the history of markets, we find when we look at advisors trying to beat the market, we really find two things, right? One is that um, trying to time the market typically doesn't work well. So trying to move out when coronavirus was going to start, maybe you hit it, maybe I'm, in March you decided to get out um, while it was falling. Well, since then, we've seen a big uh, climb back since then. And so if you mm -hmm. didn't, didn't time it perfectly, you've missed out on a lot of that um, mm -hmm. is one thing. And so the, the other big component that ties back into that that I was thinking about is it's not time in the markets. It's not timing the market that, get, that it's helpful for you. It's time in the market that's mm -hmm. helpful for you, right? So yeah. um, resisting the urge of panic sells, kind of having that strategic allocation, which we just talked about, and then knowing what your plan is uh, and then allowing the plan to work. That's what's really going to get you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just understanding how difficult, as you mentioned, it is to predict the short-term direction of the stock market. Because just to, just to kind of recap where we've been the past couple months, February 18th is right when the downturn happened. And between yeah. February 18th and March 23rd, the S&P 500 fell by over 33%. So it lost a right. third of its value in about five weeks or so. Right. By March 23rd, when, when it hit its bottom, which we didn't know was the bottom and maybe just a temporary bottom, but wherever it was that date, we had 47,000 confirmed coronavirus cases and unemployment claims had reached about 3.4 million. So not good, but we everyone knew at that time that they were going to continue to get worse. So if yep. things are going to continue to get worse, why on earth would I stay in the market? Well, because four weeks later, by, by after March 23rd, coronavirus cases had reached 700,000. Now they're by this time well over a million. Active unemployment claims had jumped from 3.4 million to over 12.5 million at that time. Now they're even more. Mm -hmm. But the stock market rose almost 30% in that time frame. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what on earth is going on? The economy and things seem to be getting worse, but the stock market's actually going up. Well, for whatever the reason, whether it's a stimulus package, whether it's just expectations built into the market, whatever it may be, uh, the market recovered very quickly. And had you panic sold or panic sold at the end of March, you would have missed out on a nice little recovery. And who knows what's going to happen from here going forward? Are we going to dip again? Are we going to keep advancing? Nobody knows, but when you panic sell or just sell in general for whatever the reason, 
oftentimes you miss out on whatever that recovery looks like. Exactly. And when we go look at those biggest, um, one of the ways we'll, I know you and I have conveyed in the past to people, um, does it make sense time in the market versus timing the market? You'll look at what happens if you miss the one best day over a period of time or the five best days or the 10 best days. Um, and what you see is that when you go look at the history of markets, typically the best performing days and the worst performing days, they, they cluster around each other a good deal of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's typically staying invested is what gets us where we want to go. Yeah. And just to offer some hope for investors, if you look at stock market returns after a 20% more, 20% or more downturn, just looking at after one year, the market's typically up a little over 14% one year after that happens. Looking uh, three years after that happens, market's typically up 11.5% on average. Five years after that, markets typically are up 11 11.5, 11.7% per year on average after that. So the, the returns that you can get after a downturn happen are, in fact, better than the average return you could get at any time, which just makes sense because you are at a lower point. So there's just more runway. There's more growth in front of you, which is why it's so important, again, not to sell once things go down because there is a recovery. We don't know when it's going to be, but you definitely don't want to miss that for the statistic that you just pointed to, um, you do significantly worse. Even if you just miss the one best day, the five best days, the 10 best days in the market. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, that, that is looking back, the numbers that you were giving is looking back over market history as far back as we have the data. Of course, that, that leads to a probability of seeing higher returns in the future. We never know what's going to happen. We could get lower returns, but it, it definitely, mm-hmm. um, puts that in in our in our it seems as though it puts it in our favor right it, it, which is exactly right. the point that you're making um right for sure yeah so 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 far we've covered um that we should rebalance our portfolio uh keep it rebalanced so take a look and see if we should make some changes uh resist the urge to make panic sell to move in and out to try to time the market to, to move away from our process that we have developed um, the third point you make uh, for this is uh, see if you can take advantage of tax laws. Why don't you tell me more about that? Yeah, so there's a couple things that you could do that may work out favorably for you, not just from an investment standpoint, but from a tax standpoint. And the first one is something called tax loss harvesting. So if you're investing and you're investing outside of a retirement account, so this is not a 401k or an IRA, but if you have uh, a brokerage account or a joint account or whatever it may be, and you have an investment that's gone down in value, well, you can sell that investment and then you have a loss. And that loss is something that you can use to write off against your income on your tax return. And now that seems counterintuitive because we just said, hey, don't sell. Don't sell when things are down. But the point here isn't just to sell and remain out. The point is to sell and then buy a very similar fund so that you remain fully invested and still own a very similar portfolio as you did before you made this change. So for example, if you have, I mean, I get, we won't, if we have a, say a large cap fund, you have a fund that owns big U.S. investments and it's managed by one fund company. Well, if you sell that fund when it's down and you, what's called harvest that loss, you realize that loss, you now bought purchase another large cap fund from a different company that has slightly different metric or slightly different way that it, it manages its portfolio, you now, for all intents and purposes, have the same portfolio, but you've locked in some losses that you can take advantage of by decreasing your tax liability when you file taxes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. Um, so, and the, the reason that we do that, like you just pointed out, if we already, if we have losses built in one, a couple, two things there to add to one is you don't want to just sell. Um, if let's say you own the S and P 500 index, you don't want to sell that index and then just hold cash for the next 30 days. Uh, you want to go buy something similar, but not the same. So you can't buy another S&P index through a different fund company. That would be buying exactly the same thing. So you have to go buy something a similar broad, you know, large cap US fund um, and hold it for, the, for a period of time to allow that loss to get booked, which is so 31 days. Uh, and then you can sell what you bought in that moment and you can buy back what you originally wanted to hold. Now you've locked in that loss. And that mm -hmm. loss can be used for future gains in your portfolios in the future, which is great when you need to rebalance in the future. Cause we talked about rebalancing in the last episode that you want to sell out of things when they do really, really well for you over time. And, and, and also um, buy into things that aren't doing as well in that moment. So that will happen uh, as markets uh, go ebb and flow. And then the, um, <clears throat> so that I did lose my train of thought here for a moment. I apologize. It's <laughs> okay. It go? <laughs> So what you're referring to is, is there's something called a wash rule that people need to be yes, careful. Yes, you want to, to avoid counters. what's called, yes, thank you. So you want to avoid what's called a wash rule. So you, and you just want to be really careful of that because it's easy. It can sound um, uh, pretty easy to go do this, but you can get yourself in trouble if you don't handle it properly. So re read up on it, reach out to people who are experts in it. So you, you do it right the first time. Um, the other component I wanted to say was on those losses, $3,000 per year of that loss can be written off against your ordinary income. Um, so if you ever go look at your tax return and you look at schedule D of your tax return, it will say what your gains and, uh, gains and losses were for that year. And if you had lost carry forwards from previous years, meaning, you know, if last year James was invested and, um, I was managing money for him and let's say one of the emerging markets did really poorly that year. So maybe we booked a $15,000 loss in that year. Well then, uh, on this year's tax return, he would have that $15,000 loss, 3,000 of it could be applied toward his income that he made in his business. And then 12,000 of it would carry forward to future years. So mm -hmm. in the future, we can either use it against gains in the portfolios, or we can use it to write off again, another $3,000 per year of our income. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. the point I was trying to make that I so eloquently got lost on. Point well made. Thank you. Yeah. Worth the wait. Totally. <laughs> So that, yes, that's, that's one option that you have. That's one way that you can take advantage of just tax law to use a loss to your favor, where you still maintain the integrity of your portfolio, but get to write off some losses. And the other way, the other thing that you can consider doing is looking at doing a Roth conversion. Yeah. Now, what that means is if you have a traditional IRA and that IRA has fallen value, you could convert all or part of it. And if you convert it when markets are low, well, you can convert the same dollar amount but you're effectively converting a larger portion of your IRA. So when the growth happens, when the market recovers, now that growth is happening in a Roth IRA where all that future growth and earnings and income will be tax-free forever as opposed to that growth happening in your IRA. So uh, any, anything to add to that, pretty straightforward, but obviously better to convert something when it's down in value as opposed to uh, converting a higher amount. Yep. So things to be really good on, on why we would do a Roth conversion, things that you're going to want to consider if you do go look at it. Um, when you do a conversion that is considered income for you, 
So if you're in a year where maybe income's down and you have the ability to do a conversion and the ability to pay the tax, what a wonderful opportunity like James is just painting right now. Another thing is um, required minimum distributions this year um, weren't, uh, were suspended. So people don't have to take them if they are retired. So if, again, if you have the ability to, and if you want to, if you're going to have excess cash left over in the future, it could be an interesting time to do a Roth conversion because your tax bill's already gone down for the year. You could basically translate it um, one to the other, but just do a Roth conversion instead of taking funds out that you have to take out for a required minimum distribution. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. So that's number three, see if you can take advantage of tax laws. And then number four is protect your personal balance sheet and cash flow. So there's mm-hmm. no question that what's going on right now is impacting a lot of people's jobs, is impacting a lot of people's livelihood, uh, impacting a lot of people's investments, which if you're retired could in turn impact your livelihood or your income. And so you want to make sure that on the personal balance sheet, the personal cash flow front, everything is in order. And, and all we mean by personal balance sheet is what do you own versus what do you owe? And on the personal cash flows, it's just looking at your income and your expenses. So call it your uh, the income you have relative to your budgeted expenses. And a couple of things to note right now, or a few things to note is it, pretty straightforward, but probably not a great time to take on new debt. If you have a job that's been impacted, uh, maybe don't go look to borrow or go look to make new purchases if you don't have an income that can support that at the time. Now, obviously, everyone's been impacted differently. A lot of people have been impacted in a negative way the past couple months. Some people, the past couple months, they're actually in industries where uh, income's thriving, income's doing really well because of what's going yeah. on. But that being said, um, you know, be smart about this. See, see what your current situation looks like and try not to add additional expenses, additional debts if, uh, if your income's not in a place to support that. Yeah. You know, the, I'm going to go opposite side of that one for you too. When it says protect your balance sheet um, and cash flow, wonderful idea. It can be an interesting time to look at, um, does it make sense to refinance right now? If you are mm-hmm. in a strong position, uh, because rates have come down. Now the amount of people trying to do that's pretty high right now. So rates aren't down as much as I would have thought they would be, but it still may be worth looking at. Um, if you do have a, a mortgage or, uh, you know, any other type of debt to see whether or not it makes sense to do a refinance. Um, if you're in a position of more of a position of power than a position of not to do mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah. and, and, and interestingly enough, cause you mentioned like temporarily cut expenses. I have a feeling most people listening to this have probably cut expenses in some way. Um, like, I don't know about you, James, but like all of the family travel that we normally do, um, isn't happening. So our mm-hmm. expenses have gone down. I mean, I, I, I noticed it this month when I was reviewing our monthly ex- kind of our, our budget and our expenses together, it's gone down quite a bit. So we're here sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's, it is taking, be mindful of what has happened to income and then making sure that your expenses are being managed in a way that reflect that could be bad, could be good, could be neither, but uh, just be mindful about that. And, and then this is a great time. Your second point of this is make sure your emergency fund is fully funded. So if you have a, if you have extra cash, but you maybe have an uncertain job right now, this may be a time to bolster the emergency fund or cash savings as opposed to trying to invest. Yes, we just talked about this could be a great time to invest when markets are low. That is certainly the case. But if it's more important to have that emergency fund fully funded, to have some safety net for you so that if you lose your job, 
you don't have to go sell those investments at a low point to, to be able to live on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything else on that protecting your balance sheet or, or cash flow? pretty straightforward, common sense stuff, but sometimes a nice reminder. Repetition is the key to learning. I know we've said all so many of these things before, but this is in one consolidated view. So I think it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely helpful. I hope it is for the listener and they welcome to let us know. Yeah. Awesome. And then fifth and final is, is focus on the long term. Mm-hmm. And I think we said this, or I said it just because when you're in the midst of a downturn, it always seems like this will never end. Oh my gosh, are we ever going to be outside to go outside again? Oh my gosh, are we ever going to not have to wear face masks again? Oh my gosh, is the stock market ever going to be the same again? Are these companies ever going to recover? And it just seems like uh, the new normal is upon us. But the reality yeah. is every single crisis we've had, it's always seemed that way. And so as you're, as, as you're looking at this, uh, we can look at stats. The economy will recover. The stock market, it will recover. And oftentimes, just statistically speaking, stock market recovers well before the recession actually ends. So another reason not to try to say, I'll get back into my investments or I'll begin investing again when the recession is over. Well, by then the stock market's probably started recovering as well on its way to, to new highs. So focus on the long term in the midst of this. Yes, focus on what you can control in the short term, but understand what you're investing and planning for at the end of the day. Yep. Agreed. Um, I actually, it's also, a, it can be a good time to reassess what is essential to you, right? So um, make sure that the things that you're planning for still really matter to you. And that may have shifted a little bit during this downturn or during this crisis, or it may not have. Um, and both answers are valid. So knowing, knowing what you're actually aiming for um, will help you take the next step as you look through these five steps that you can take when the market's drop. Awesome. So just in summary, one, keep your portfolio rebalanced. Two, resist the urge to panic sell. Three, see if you can take advantage advantage of certain tax laws. Four, protect your personal balance sheet and just cash flow. And then five, focus on the long term. So pretty straightforward, but anything else you want to add, Scott? No, I think that's it. Um, All right. Hope it's helpful and send us your questions. Happy to help you. Very good. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you want us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your questions that we will answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.